Hey, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And some say we're ambitious. We say we're exhausted. Always. So tired. So tired. We were just talking about how we both have this tendency to say, oh, when things settle down, Mm -hmm. or oh, but they never settle down. No, we we have a problem. It's still like, oh, after my favorite, after we get over this season or after this event, it it will die down. Girl, facts are facts. They don't. No, never. Full (laughs) steam ahead all the time. So for those who are looking at it, been like, oh, 30, it's it's where it's at. It's popping. No, it's tiring. No one's saying that to me. <laughs> is, no one, is no one saying that? I, was I think about- <laughs> I feel like people in their 20s are like, oh, no, I don't want to be 30. It's so old. I, I guess you're right. I don't know. I thought people were trying to be like evolved and like embrace age. But I don't know. I'm not. Oh, they are. But not people who are like younger than 30. People in their 30s are like, 30s, the new 20. It's like, no, you're just saying that so you don't feel old. Mm, facts. <laughs> Though I do, but between the amount of debt people are doing and waiting to have kids and marriage, I do feel like 30 is the new 20. Maybe. Maybe. I was talking to a friend last night and he was like, I'm rapidly approaching 50. And I was like, oh, wow, you are. That's true. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm rapidly approaching 40 because I'm 10 years younger than you. Oh, no. You're like, time comes for us all. I actually start getting really threatening text messages from like death. They're like, hey, girl, whenever you're ready, <laughs> like your Here. mortality's not good. <laughs> It's true. I know we aren't really that old. You don't have to write in and tell us that we aren't old. <laughs> like, I know we, it, we aren't, but we're also not not spring chickens. No, we're into our summer, I think. We're deaf, girl. We're in the heat of summer, and we are not preserving well. <laughs> we are sun-baked, kissed, and dried. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't think that's – and especially because, you know, I think especially if you do take care of yourself, but I'm old enough to when I see someone who is 20 – I am aware that you're 20. That's how mm. old I am. Like when I see someone who's 20, I'm like, ooh, you're a baby. Like I get concerned now when I see people who are 20, even if they're doing fine. Somehow I'm still concerned for them. And it's, I wish it would stop. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to not care. I'm like, yeah, be 20. I'm like, are you having enough fiber? Have you called your mother? What are you doing out in these streets? I just get really concerned. Yeah, that's the mother in you. Yeah, I don't. It You can take it. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, I know I'm learning how to do good segues. But anyway, speaking, of, I had a new mom write us on our Facebook page who's been listening to our podcast who had some really cool, uplifting things to say. Do you want to hear them? I would love to hear them. I am exhausted, and I feel like it could be a really nice pick me up. <laughs> it's actually from a friend, uh, friend Carmen. She's in the great deserty area. I know she just visited New Mexico. I think she moved. But anyway, I don't want to give too much of her personal information away, but she wrote something actually really cool. She talked about um, what you say. I wanted to comment on your episode three about learning your own culture when you're mixed. This is something like Danny and I have talked about several times. Um, I had this talk in my Latino group. Be- group that I'm in 
Basically, if you're part of a group like half or quarter or whatever biologically, you totally have the right to learn about your own culture and participate in it, in my super humble opinion anyways. In America, there are so many mixed people who only grew up with one culture, and I think it's so beautiful when they want to explore more of themselves and do it. I'm half Cuban, half Mexican, and I grew up with more Cuban culture. I've learned more and more about my Mexican roots as an adult, and I'm so proud to be Mexican as well, even if I didn't grow up with it as the main focus. Anyways, love your podcast. Keep it up. I thought that was just interesting because we have both talked about what it's like to be mixed and our experience of kind of like knowing one side or the other. And actually, we just answered this question in a rapid fire, didn't we? Oh, yes, of choosing one over the other. I think there's a natural choosing that might happen, but I love, love, love this. I was going to say email, but I guess message. Mm -hmm. I love this message that you can still embrace. I agree. It's never too late to start embracing parts of your heritage, right? And start Mm -hmm. learning about it and finding those connections. So it's just, it's nice to hear and Hopefully that will resonate with with some of you unicorns listening too. It's something I struggle with with my, you know, Native American heritage that I don't even live geographically near the tribe that I am descended from. So it seems like overwhelming to be able to learn about it, but I don't know. I hope someday. Like I wish I could be the inspiration right now that's like, so I've booked a trip to Oklahoma. <laughs> But that's that's but not no who one I am. books trips to Oklahoma. And the worst part is I know some of the loveliest people that live in Oklahoma and they didn't deserve that. So <laughs> But it's I love that in this one she said like I had this talk in my Latino group that I'm in. I'm like, yes. In a group. That's amazing. Sorry. I I just even just reading that, I'm like, ah, oh, what times we live in that we have these these groups of people just kind of meeting and discussing and and talking and um, exposing one another to their culture and background. And so I found that quite encouraging. So amazing. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, we are, we've got a fun topic today, kind of, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Convincing. Very convincing, Mika. I think, I think fun for us because we like talking about stuff that's difficult. Like we get, we get super juiced and we get like revived about that. And some people, maybe they don't. I don't know. Double standards. Dun, dun, dun. It's funny when you hear double standards, it has actually such a weightiness to it. And even as we were trying to decide how we want to springboard to it, because I think it was a topic what we touched on before, but... Once again, we love tackling topics that are actually quite broad and massive and spread over not only race, but gender, that we want to know how to attack that. And so we want to really kind of go into double standards and what does that mean for people of color and how we have to kind of basically like overachieve in our life. Yeah. So so this is rather than talking about all double standards, this is specifically <laughs> talking about achievement and and drive. I was trying to look for a definition because some people may actually hear the word or the phrase double standards quite a lot. And I think sometimes we even misuse it in conversation. 
But I would just, out of curiosity, I even checked what is the British Dictionary, which I actually found to have a really good definition of it, is a set of principles that allows greater freedom to one person or group than to another. It is very, very vague, but I think at its basis, we're basically talking about unfair treatment of our expectations and what we will allow and don't allow. And I think now more than ever, we're seeing them a lot more of these examples, especially in our justice system. We're seeing that a lot of one race getting um, harsher uh, sentencing, uh, uh, lack of coverage, whereas opposed to a white race will get lighter sentencing, a lot more coverage. Um, I think it's very clear to see that, but I don't think it's nearly as clear to see double standards when it comes to things like job opportunities, education, and overall, I think just uh, day-to-day treatment when it comes to people of color. Yeah, and I think if we're we're focusing on it through this achievement lens, I think the first stop on this journey is is talking a little bit about about those double standards in education. For many of us, that's kind of our first job, right, is being the student um, and being within those systems, um, systems that were created by and for white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they are difficult for many other people to navigate because the system is set up in a way for achievement for certain groups, white people, white children, without considering other other backgrounds. And really, like when you look at just the numbers, there's always been this this achievement gap right between white students and black students or white students and Latino students. And so it's really only been measured over the past 40 years, I suppose. But there's a lot of talk about how the gap has been declining and how it, it's it's closing, right? But mm-hmm. the fact is that it's still very large. <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about how it's declining, but but it's really, really large and it's really inconsistent in its narrowing, even though overall black and Latino student scores have been rising faster than white student scores. The gap still exists. And because this gap exists in education, then it just kind of trickles out into into the world and into careers and into into everything else. We really want to try to hone into people and try to get them to kind of understand for those who think, oh, we've had things like affirmative action and scholarships and grants, especially if you're going to go towards more the education side. But I think what we want to try to get people to understand is that you have to do so much. I think um, Danny and I were talking about it, at least for, for me, we got told as people of color, you have to be twice as good as anyone else to get half of what they have. Mm. Um, it's actually yeah. fun. Yeah. I, it was almost like a flashback moment to myself because I remember hearing this um, in, in, you know, the, the scholastic world and listening to an interview um, on the BBC about actually more of an athlete talking about how he felt he had to be twice as good. And then they did an interview with uh, black British people on the street. And several of them talked about they were told from a very young age, they had to be twice as good in order to get Mm. by into this world. And it was one of those things of, wow, I was not the only person who was not only told that, but believed that. And when you have that, especially in things in school, even with things like they say, like affirmative action and trying to push for racial based scholarships, 
they're still only letting in a fraction, a very small, minute of of people in there. Do you want to know what you would have to do in order to achieve and to get these spots? It's unrealistic. It is. You have to do back flips and cartwheels like academic ones, you know, in order to get not only the spot, but the the attention. It's not only that, but when you're talking about standardized testing and how these tests are are even written for specific groups and with certain cultural competencies in mind, right? Like there's there's plenty of examples where these tests might not even questions might not even make sense to somebody who exists within their culture and not within the dominant culture. So the way that the tests are written, it's not even Intelligence is something that's so subjective and hard to measure, and we have these things like IQ tests and standardized testing, but those tests are created for white people. So it's not really an accurate representation of a person of color's intelligence by taking these tests. So it's, I don't know, it's also terribly unfair. So like you have to work hard and you have to somehow hold on to your own heritage while working hard to exist in this other system. And I don't know if this is your experience as well, Damika, but I was always like a huge overachiever, mm-hmm. except for in high school, um, <laughs> where I was a very poor student. But for the most part, I've always been like a very overachiever. I'm good at standardized tests. I knew that I had to do well in order to be able to go to college like i i was told by my mother that she would not have the ability to pay for college for me that i would if i wanted to go i would have to get a scholarship that was the reality of my life i was good at school i was an overachiever but then i got a lot of pushback within my community my peers that i was acting white Mm-hmm. by doing so. So it's like you're not only grappling with that system of trying to work hard to be able to get these achievements, but then you're also like having to justify it to other people about like oh, yeah. why you're doing it. And being told that you're acting white is not a compliment. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Well, for me, for my kind of experience, Mine was, I was always so desperately trying to fight stereotypes. Mm. That was my experience. And what people's perception of what a black woman was and is, I was so desperately trying to overcompensate for that because I was told of what I was going to be like, or I was already treated in that manner. Like before I opened my mouth, a lot of teachers would always assume that I had an attitude or I was loud or late and wouldn't do my homework or wouldn't participate or be lazy. And these are things that, you know, people, these stereotypes are are horrible. And I don't think people are aware that young people learn about these stereotypes very, very young and they're Mm. very haunting. And especially if you don't understand where they're based from, you already start getting this fear that those stereotypes are projected on you. And so for me, it was one of those things of like, I'm going to try to be the cheer, most happiest, uh, involved, and but yet still kind of meek. And I'm going to try to do my best, even though I'm struggling, I'm still not going to ask for help because I don't want them, them to think I'm stupid or slow. Um, you know, j- 
just emotionally really struggled with trying to make sure like, am I not only just doing well at school? Am I doing extracurricular activities? Am I also helping my community? I mean, I think especially in college of just, as they say, doing the most, like you want to do it all. You still had to financially support yourself and still try to stand out. And we both grew up in the theater background of just being told like, there are not a lot of parts for you. You have to be good. You better be daggone good. You have to stand out because, you know, there's not a lot of space for you or people have an expectation for you. You have to be the best that you could be and still only aspire to play the maid roles, you know? Like, yeah, that's just Exactly, exactly. There's just really not a lot there. I mean, I was literally told, you know, unless the raisin in the sun has like <laughs> has a, a reopening again, you know, dramatic roles may not be the thing for you. When you're told that, that is, it's scarring on you when especially you, there are a lot of, or was it one of my favorite ones? There are a lot of people, there are a lot of black people who can sing. So you really have to go out there and wow them. Mm. Um, what? Like, did, did that make sense? Like, it, it's they just think that black people come out of the womb and be able to like, you know, to, to hit those runs and to hit those notes and blow everybody away. So you have to be extra good in order to stand out. Right. It's the same thing with both race and gender in that mm -hmm. sense, I think. Um, as women, we're pitted against other women rather than pitted against all people. <laughs> it's like there's only so many positions for women, so you have to be better than all the other women, right? Like that's the, the metric that we're held against. And rather than just being seen as a candidate, right? We're seen as mm -hmm. a woman candidate. We're seen as a black the idea that affirmative action isn't necessary is is crazy, but mm -hmm. also people need to realize that with affirmative action, there's still this idea of there's only five slots. We're going to exactly. have five slots so that things are, are, are equal, so that the, we have, you know, some representation. So then it's like, all of these people competing for five spots, whereas like the pool, you know, the 95 spots that are available for white people are just like the competition isn't as fierce. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the thing of like never wanting to degrade anyone's experience or their hard work, because that's what you hear when you hear things like the conversation we're having right now about people having to overachieve or people of color having to be twice as good or having to go above and beyond is that we're, we're degrading their experience. I'm not degrading your experience. I'm just letting you know and trying to understand if that person you're calling over ambitious or that person looking like, you know, we always say, why do black people or people of color say they're always hustling? Because they are. <laughs> mm. When you only have a small gap or opportunity to get into a university, to get that job, to get noticed, you know, if you are trying to get into politics, just to be noticed and to be validated as a human being, you have to go, you have to be extra, you, you have to go on that. So you don't always have time to mess around with people and, you know, their, their lighthearted issues and what's going on in their lives because you have a goal in mind. I mean, did you did you ever get labeled as ambitious or competitive or a control freak? I mean, I think there are people who call me a control freak, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't I think, see you being bothered by that. Yeah, I don't mind, and I don't know if people would define me as ambitious. I wouldn't define myself as ambitious, but I I think I've 
I've been called an overachiever a lot, which for me, like, makes my skin crawl a little bit because it's like, how can I truly be an overachiever if there are so many systemic things blocking my achievement? (laughs) Um, You know, like, it's like I it almost like for me makes me feel a little sick thinking about like just the phrase itself makes it sound like I'm I'm aspiring to something that I can never actually have. I'm like overachieving. And I know that's not anyone's intention when they say, say that, but that's kind of like <laughs> my feeling. So that's that's my feeling to the word overachiever. But yeah, I think I've, I've definitely been called an overachiever. And I think that's not unusual considering like my path. I think I I went to grad school. I have an MFA. So I think most people in a graduate program are defined as as overachievers, um, regardless of of race uh, or gender. But I think it's seen a little bit more negatively for for women and people of color than for men. Like I don't think white men are called overachievers very often. Mm. I don't know. I, what, what are your thoughts? I'm going to have to ask a white guy. I do think some of them do get called overachiever, but it has a different connotation. I think it's like, look at you going above and beyond. And I think mm. for, for people of color, it, it's like, look at you overachiever. It feels kind of slightly condescending, which once again, I'm like, cause I have been called that um, as well. I don't think they, anyone means anything nasty by it. But when I hear it, it's like, I'm not overachieving. I'm simply trying to live. You, you know, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. But do you see how hard I have to work in order to, to impress or to live? Um, not that I like to quote, you know, stand-up comics a lot, but Chris Rock in one of his um, – comedy special he talked about and it kind of it was one of those things that was like funny sad like haha aw um he talked about where he lived i think in california he's like you know and this is at like the one of the heights of his career so he's doing quite well he talked about his million dollar mansion and how he lives next to mary j blige jay-z eddie murphy like th- these are some people who are like the pinnacle in their career but he talked about who his next door neighbor was he's like it's a white guy he's a dentist He's like, he's not even the best dentist. He's just, uh, he just pulls teeth. That's what he does. But look at the rest of us having to hustle and be the best of what we are in order to get the, you know, to get where we are, to have our stature mm-hmm. right now. And he said something, he's just like, black men got to fly to get what, to get something that a white man has to walk to. And that's always kind of like stuck with me a little bit as far as like, you might call me competitive or overambitious, but I'm just trying to fly to get to the same thing that you're just walking to. Right. It's like that. I don't know what they're called, like those privilege things, those like exercises that people do of like, take a step forward. If mm-hmm. you know your parents have a college degree, those sorts of things where it like physically puts people in like proximity to like running the race of life like where you start and so like so many people of color start so much further behind so it seems like for me just like keeping up with like your white classmates for example like 
everyone's like, oh, look at you, you overachiever, because yeah. it's so hard to believe that, you know, with you having been given so little resources to achieve that you're all the way here. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, welcome. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, like, while it's true, I, I just like, I don't know. It just have seems... we just gone completely negative with this? Like we have just like we've just gone there with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange because it's like both sides, right? Like I want the acknowledgement that I've had to work harder to get to where I am, but also like <laughs> it's so upsetting and so exhausting that that's the reality. I don't know. It's hard to have that energy. I guess is what I'm saying. For me, I guess I have like, believe it or not, I'm actually mad because when I have that of like, you're overachiever, you do this, or even when I um I was in college and I couldn't go back because I had got sick of just being like, oh, you know, that must be hard, you know, being the first person in, you know, of color in your family to go to college. And it was just like one of those things of how, how, how dare you when you're over here trying to comment about me being an overachiever and doing well then why aren't you like, it just makes me mad when I see and it could be completely unjustified in just my viewpoint. But when I see people comment of like, Oh, look at you overachiever, then why aren't you like if I'm working on a class project, or I'm in my job, and I'm working my ass off, and you're saying, look at you look at you overachieving. But yet, we're in the same race, and we're neck and neck and you're saying that I'm overachieving. And it's frustrating when it's like, why aren't you? Why aren't you sweating? Like, why aren't you working mm. nearly as hard as I am? And yet here we are at the same table. Like, it's 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 one of those moments to where it can be a bit frustrating. So it's like, even if I want to try to do a little bit better for myself, it takes it to that next level of just kind of, you know, grinding and hustling and pulling whatever little resources that you have out of uh, out of like a negative vessel, really. And I think that's why we even talk about why I wanted to talk about this through the lens of overachieving is to kind of touch a little bit about mental health, which is something that's really important to us. I hear what you're saying. And I think this is a nice segue into into that specifically about comparison between you and somebody else, right? You're like, mm -hmm. I'm working so hard. You don't seem to be working as hard. I mean, slight sidebar. I experienced this so much in grad school. <laughs> Did you? Well, like, I felt like I worked so hard to, like, be there, right? Like, first person mm. in my family going to college and then going to grad school and, like, you know, doing all these things. And literally, like, the majority of my my cohort in grad school, like, all came from families who, like, both their parents had graduate degrees. Like, it was, like, an expectation that they would be there. And they didn't see it as, like, that big of a deal when it felt like such a big deal to me. So mm -hmm. that was, like, difficult. So I, I really hear, and that really resonates with me, that, like, comparison to, to other people. And I think part of the danger of that is as people of color, we tend to struggle with imposter syndrome uh, mm -hmm. more, I think. And so, like, that just, like, ramps it up, right? It's like mm -hmm. you start to then get into your head and have these these feelings of, like, I don't actually belong here. <laughs> like, this uh -huh. is just another thing to remind me that I don't belong here and that I'm not doing the right thing. And, like, why am I investing this time and money and energy into something that is not for me? 
this isn't, I haven't earned this. Why am I here? Even though you've worked so hard to get yeah. there. Like you're saying with mental health, it's so taxing. It really is. And I think it's also kind of shedding a little bit of light on people who might, I think especially as a woman of color and a brown one, I think a lot of people say there's angry black women. And I've talked about Mm. it before, how I don't want to be viewed as the angry black woman and something you just really fight. But part of me is like, do you, do you blame us for being kind of angry? We're exhausted. Like we're absolutely exhausted. They say black girl magic. It doesn't just appear. You got to work for that. Do you know, like, I think I kind of, I have a love-hate relationship with that phrase, which, girl, if we can talk about that at some time, that'd be yes. great. put it on the list. <laughs> can we put it on the list? But it, it's exhausting, and it, it it's taxing, and you have to be all tens all the time. But we break it down to it, it does kind of get very mentally taxing, that you don't get to kind of stand down a little bit. You don't feel like you get to have a day off because that's a day of hustle that you're losing. Absolutely. You You can't show anyone how bad you're struggling, right? Because then it's just, Mm -hmm. you're like, you're just, I'm just confirming like everyone's deep seated opinions and beliefs that we're we're putting onto them, by the way. Right, right. Exactly. Like (laughs) no one is, is actually saying this to us. No, if I'm showing this perfectionism and this overachievement is killing me, then it just proves that it's not, I'm not worthy of these things. So instead, we have to lock it all inside and just respond with like, oh, yeah, I'm just busy or, oh, yeah, I'm just tired, you know, Uh and just keep going. Exactly. Or I even find that with like uh, the same thing of like not wanting to get into much about the same thing with gender. We we find that I think especially like when I when I became a mother, that they talk about, you know, and my husband is, is a great, great father. But there are times where it's like, he does the thing that a dad should do. I'm like, yeah, uh, when I went and did a hiking weekend, which was the first time since my daughter turned five that my husband has been with her more than 12 hours. And, you know, I'm like, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I can go away for 48 hours now. I think that's safe to say. The whole trip, how great is your husband? That's so fantastic that he's there with her. Oh, how supportive, how kind. Yeah, he is all those things. I have been with this child <laughs> since conception. Totally. Every single moment of every, every diaper, vomit, nightmare, breastfeeding, the whole, my husband has gone for weeks, m- month and a half at a time. Like, and yet it wasn't how amazing, how great, how supportive. But I couldn't tell anybody how much that was damaging to me or how hard it would be or how hard it has been when it's just by myself sometimes, because I need to be that I'm a woman. It's, this is what we do. And especially if a woman of color, a lot of women of color, they lock it down. They keep that ship going. They keep those families together. They keep their household running tight. It's like, I, I don't get to say, Hey, I'm, I'm really kind of struggling here. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't, it's, it's like, I don't want to bring my race down, but as a mixed kid, it's like, well, which side are you bringing down really? But you know, <laughs> That's just just another little extra kind of layer on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that double standard is real. Even as as someone without kids, I see it again and again just out in the world. You see a dad out with their kids and everyone's like, oh, my God, what an amazing father. Like, look at him taking care of his kids. It's like, 
even though a lot of these dads actually surprisingly do take care of their kids a lot and yeah. do spend a lot of time with them. And and I know it's like a, it's a societal thing of we see that mm-hmm. as a woman's job. So people are like, oh, wow, he is amazing. But then you see a mom out with their kids and it's like everyone has a fucking opinion like mm-hmm. that kid's being too loud or like yeah. that mom, you know like it's it's all she's judgy. on her phone look what she's wearing Your, her kids are eating sugar pops like totally. oh, oh, girl it, it's never ending and so it's like i am so concerned with this idea with these horrific double standards of what it's doing to people's mental health and i think this is why we want to talk about them they're out there and for people not to kind of snap back at, but just letting this is what's going on in people's lives and their mental state. What are the solutions, Damika? What can we do about it? Like <laughs> those of us who are labeled as overachievers, like how can we push back on this idea? I don't know. You know, at first I was really racking my brain to be like, what's a really good substitutionary name for it? And I think you'd probably be really good at that. Or maybe if people want to write in and give us a really good, because I, it's the same thing of what you said. People really do want to be acknowledged for their work. Mm. So how do you acknowledge somebody without degrading their work? I have no clue, but I do know that I, it's something we've talked about many times before. We need to increase the amount of opportunities for people of color in the in the workplace scholarly wise because i think if we had more than just a very small percentage of people on these spots perhaps we wouldn't have this over competitive obsession drive to try to make it to these few spots i also think us actually sitting down having the conversation because like we said before some of these things people aren't saying to us but we are projecting right on ourselves and i also think even within i our own community we need to let each other know that it is okay to relax like i don't know why i don't i think if someone of color came up to me and saying hey you're doing a good job you've got this i see you i see your work i see your grind you're okay yeah i i think that that's brilliant i think that's a great a great thing to do um and we posted about that a little while back about, you know, just just telling the people around you that you see them working hard and they're awesome, you know, because I, I think a lot of us who are labeled as overachievers push hard and we have like these perhaps unrealistically <laughs> high standards that we hold mm. ourselves and others to. So it's nice for someone to be like, hey, I know your standards are high and I see you working hard to to do your thing. And I think you're great. Like, I don't know. That feels like a, a bit of an ease on that burden. It it really does. But I think that's an amazing opportunity for the community to come around to each other and say, hey, you know, because some people don't mind it. They're like, yeah, I'm ambitious. I got this. And I think you need to have, you don't need anyone's permission to go off and be amazing and do you. But I do think people need permission. And I don't know where this comes from to take a breath and say, you know what? If you don't show up today, if you don't cook that, you know, four course meal for dinner and get your dissertation in and still make it for your night shift, you you know, breathe, take some time for you. And I think that's why this movement of people encouraging other people to take time to take care of themselves is 
important. And I think we have to keep talking about it until people get it to breathe, to refocus and realizing that you are not representing every woman and every person Mm. of your color when you go up, which is the hardest thing to do. I'm not speaking from someone who's gotten that, but you, you aren't it. I cannot represent every woman and every mixed woman of color in every situation. I can't, it shouldn't be on me. It is, but it has to stop because it's breaking people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. I think, I think there's a lot we can do to support each other, but I think you're right that ultimately it has to come from within yourself. And I Mm -hmm. think that's part of uh, our push for, for self-care, right? You need to, you need to slow down and take care of yourself. And I know we have not achieved <laughs> this yet. <laughs> We're not uh, overachieving in the self-care. We're not but- doing great. But we're trying. We're trying. Mm-hmm. And that's all that any of us could do. And sometimes I think just having that attitude of I'm trying and that's okay mm-hmm. is, yeah. is, is a good thing to strive towards. And not having someone call you out, like, like I love Danny, but this girl, every time we're like, we're just going to take a break. I'm just going to stay. And she goes, I was also doing something else to like two o'clock in the morning. But because now I'm going to, I should have asked you to tell it. Sorry, Danny, you can edit it out if you want to. <laughs> but there was one time where you were going to edit something and you decided not to. And you went to bed because you knew that I was going to say, I was going to tell you off. It's true. And, so instead yeah. I woke up and... <laughs> 5 30 and edited in the morning instead but you did that's called progression that's called baby steps but because you had she had someone like in your community in your circle in your head now that's like i mean that i don't know that's a breakthrough it's true i just imagined like sending you the message at like 3 a.m being like i'm done here it is and you being like danny you did not stay up till 3 a.m working on this did you facts facts are facts and i think like i said especially of women women of color tell someone else like hey girl see your hustle you also need to sit down all the way down put your feet up here's some canned wine you're gonna be okay you're not mediocre you're not basic you're amazing we're in this together and not being afraid to kind of have that moment until you start getting into that person's head. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Gently totally call each other out. It's nice. Yeah. It is. But no, it's in the basis of just like, I don't want to see you have a mental breakdown because that's what people are doing. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> and there's so many reasons for for overachievement that are not just based in this double standard. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we could we could get into it, but... Ultimately, I think I think the uh, the addressing it is still the same of like having support outside and having support inside of you mm-hmm. is ultimately how to how to kind of combat that and keep yourself from killing yourself, essentially. Exactly. And this, like I said, and for for people who are not in the community, people who are, are white, this this is an amazing opportunity for you to just kind of take a breath. And, and look around you there. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things of like, I'm not trying to make this be a rude awakening, but I'm also trying to make this to be an awakening that there are people around you who are not struggling because all oh, you know, they're, they're not getting it. It's just the opportunities are slim. And that yep. maybe having an appreciation and maybe asking someone about their experience and doing it with an open mind. You know, if you're in a graduate program, maybe just asking about their lives. And who's to say? Maybe both of their parents have degrees and they're 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 well off. You just don't know. But to put yourself 
in the shoes of somebody else and not just look at your own experience being tainted or taken away or degrading. I'm not trying to degrade your experience. I'm simply just trying to get you to understand other people's experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth it. It's completely and utterly worth it. It will hopefully make you appreciate your experience more and also try to create more opportunities for others with your your coverage and with your privilege as well. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess guess my challenge to everyone is to just like think about this idea of overachievement and how mm-hmm. much it's rooted in in kind of these double standards for you. Just like just make a check in. Just check in about it. Yeah. That's like that's what I think light. people should do. Just a little oil light just to let you know. You should probably yeah. check on that. <laughs> you feel good about that, Damika? Should we get mad at the internet? I would love to get mad at the internet with you. Girl! This is something you found, so... <laughs> <laughs> you should you should introduce it. You should introduce it. I don't I don't even know how to introduce that. So um you know how we love the internet, right? And so things pop up all the time of like have you got those like where they use sometimes like food or objects and they try to make them do math and make and give like the objects mathematical value? They're like a fry plus a burger equals a shake. Then it's like a shake and a shake and a fry equals a blah blah blah. Anyway. I love hate when people do math things on there because I don't mind math. But there has been a math equation that has, it says this in the New York Times. It made it to the New York Times. The math equation that tried to stump the internet. Are you kidding me with this? It is a mathematical equation and people can't decide if the answer is, what is it, 16 or 1? Yeah. Should, should I, should I, it doesn't matter what the equation is? Uh, Yeah, so it's, Eight divided by two, parentheses, two plus two, close parentheses. <laughs> Equals, da, da, da. But people have been getting out and dragged out fights like long threads upon Instagram and also on Facebook of people talking about it. And I'm just like, what the heck, math? What, people like math should be universal because literally people are down the middle about this one. Yeah, that's because people are idiots. Yeah, people are so mad about this. That's right. Like to me, I'm like, it should be 16. But then people got me doubting myself. Does that make sense? That's why I'm mad at the internet. I'm mad at the internet making me doubt myself. <sighs> I mean, it is 16. 16 is the answer because PEMDAS, PEMDAS. PEMDAS. <laughs> Because <laughs> PEMDAS is real and it's making me really mad. PEMDAS that it's, is real. It's That's real. for sure. <laughs> is that the name? I wish that could be the name of it. PEMDAS is real. <laughs> yeah, I guess people just don't remember that PEMDAS is like not necessary. Like multiplication and division are the same step I think is, is where the breakdown is like people are thinking mm. PEMDAS multiplication become comes before division but it's like no they're the same step they're equal just like addition mm-hmm. and subtraction it's, are equal they're in the same family they're in their they're homies they're, they're literally together. the opposite of each other they're the same yeah. thing same same I don't know it was it it's um which it's so funny so thank you to, to PEMDAS 
someone, uh, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. I forgot all about that. That was like a blast <laughs> from the past. I was like, thank you, fifth grade maths. Um, I don't. I don't know. People are really getting into like serious fight, blown up threads about this math equation. And I'm real scared for the future, you guys. <laughs> I get mad at the internet anytime there's math involved. <laughs> like That's pretty much any time. <laughs> well, well, one, it's not. The internet's for cute cat pictures. But I feel like there's so many things about like math on the internet that just make me angry. Like not just this this particular equation, but there tend to be those memes that go around about like the common core math. And people get so angry that kids are being taught to do math in a, a different way than the way that they were taught. And they're like, this mm-hmm. is stupid. And they oh. get like so mad about it. I'm not like a fan of common core, but but I think the way that they're teaching math in school now is actually better. And I know, I know yeah. people are, are going to oh, be mad. Girl, people divisive. are going to be mad. I know. But he, here's, our fan base. I know. Here's why. <laughs> the way that math is being taught now is so that kids are able to do math in their head. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it seems like more steps, but it's actually not. It's actually a way that you can do math in your head more quickly. And I don't know. I'm totally biased because it's actually how I I do math because <laughs> mm. I, I, I like to do math in my head. Like that's I would rather do math in my head than do math with like a paper and pencil. And so I actually do these same steps that they teach in Common Core that I just kind of started doing on my own in order to do math in my head. So I like it. <laughs> and mm. I think people get mad at me because I like it. No, well, the thing with that said, I for me, I'm a pen and paper girl. I love there's nothing sexier than I like having my big ass whiteboard or my chalkboard. And because when I was especially doing like high calc or whatever, and I would just have like that squeak it, squeak it, squeak it, squeak, squeak. I love beautiful minding it out. I love it. I absolutely love it. But here it's mostly for me, I can memorize things quite well. It's more so like memorizing steps and equation instead mm. of understanding the value. And I think that's right. what they're trying to teach kids now is like things and their value and their place and their relationship to one another, as opposed to just those who can just memorize. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, and to think I'm for that. I'm not necessarily like I know I'm going to, let you know, eventually have to succumb to it all. But I think you're completely right. If people just bucking the times of like, I, I, I guess I'm really tired of things that are new coming out and people ultimately saying this is evil this is bad i mean the polio vaccine's not so bad and people are even bucking against that like i'm just really i'm really tired of like things that are here to eventually try to cause us to have a life that is more progressive and and better and catches up really to the rest of the world because the rest of the world's been doing this we want to fight it so hard guys like have some chill watch a cat video because that's what the internet's for not math so, oh, internet. Oh, internet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't understand why people are so passionately <laughs> upset <laughs> about it either. I don't know. I know. Like, the answer is 16. And yes, maybe if someone was all at me, it's one, I might get annoyed. But also, I'm like, sorry, that just knocked you down a couple pegs in my mind. Like, I'm not going to get mad at you. 
I just know that you don't know. You don't remember how to do basic math. But also, does it matter? Like, when was the last time people have used PEMDAS in their adult mm-hmm. lives if your profession has nothing to do with math? Yeah, because even in my mind, like my husband, he had he started going back to school. And of course, you had to do this entry level, the same thing. I'm like, I, you, I had to stare at it for a minute. And it's like the mind palace, like Sherlock Holmes style. You have to reach back in the recesses of your minds. <laughs> right. And back when Pluto was a planet, you have to try to figure all this out. Once you get it, though, you're it's just like riding a bike, apparently a really old, rusty, sad bike. Yeah. But um, I, I, uh, it's so it's just so frustrating that. But the thing is, what this is the same example as that stupid dress debate. The internet loves. Yeah, I brought it back. I'm that old. I am. Is the dress white or blue old? That's how old I am. <laughs> People love to take sides and they love to camp out on, they love that. They love this shit. And I think that's why this thing has taken off so much (laughs) is that because there's a clear 16 or one side, either the dress is white or blue and the internet loves that garbage. Yeah, but the difference between this and that is there's actually (laughs) a correct answer. Well, I guess, no, I guess there was a correct answer with the dress because it's like ultimately the physical dress was yeah. white, right? Even though to me, it still looks blue. Wait, but the dress yeah. was, it, I thought it was blue. No, I'm pretty sure it was white. And it's like something about the light that it was taken in and like the gain mm-hmm. in the photo that it looked blue because of like shadows or something. But the actual dress itself was white and gold. Mm. But I mean, I saw it as blue and I can't, I can't physically cannot see it as white. Because I saw it as white and gold, but I'm like, I, you know, with any lighting, anything, I mean, come on, I look pretty decent in some lighting and this other times, not same, but I don't, I don't know. Tech on it. Now I have to find out. Yeah. No, it's stupid dress. I'm, (laughs) (gasps) oh, I just looked it up. It was confirmed as blue and black. Blue, I thought so because I thought I was. I kept saying it as white and gold, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's totally white. And then there was a reporter woman saying, "Here it is. I'm actually holding the real dress." And it was like it was a blue dress, and I lost. I, I was so mad. I was legitimately mm. mad at the world. Yeah, I I still can't see it as white and gold. I'm looking <laughs> at a picture of it right now, and I'm like, it is a blue and black dress. I can't. I don't see it, <laughs> but but I also don't feel that strongly about it. Like, clearly I don't because I couldn't remember for sure <laughs> what the real color yeah. was. But the difference between that and this is that this is actually like math that people use to function as people. And that was like colors. So <laughs> this is like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. know. People have strong feelings. They do, and they have to put them somewhere, don't they? Yep. We can't actually address, like, injustices in the world and throw our energy behind that. Let's throw our energy behind 16 or 1. Definitely. Perfect. (laughs) Camp 16. So so that's why we're mad at the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do, Do we need our happy place? Uh, yes, I think I think we do need our happy place. I'm still like reaching for mine. So if you want to start, <laughs> that would be awesome. No problem. I have got a pretty decent happy place. I'm trying to decide if it's tied with one other one, but I'll go. So my 
best friend and his sister and his niece came into town Friday. That's right. I forgot that they yeah. visited. Yeah, they're, they're, they're still here, but they're in London, but I'm here and they're going to go to France and then they're going to come back to London and hopefully I'm going to be able to see them up there and they're going to come down and see me. It's a whole thing, but I spent like 20 hours like going to go get them and showing them around and then come anyway. But because of their flight from America to get here was delayed, they were a bit late. So I was sitting in the arrivals of the flight, just kind of waiting. And so it's like a tie, obviously seeing them is like a whole thing. And it's amazing. I haven't seen them in a while. And they're like family. It was beautiful. All that. But girl, another sign of my age showing is I can't sit at arrivals anymore. It was too emotional for me. I'm turning into a freaking sap. Watching everyone greet like their loved ones and people they've been waiting for. Like if you're an empath or you have a vivid imagination, you can't stay there and watch people greet other people with their flights coming. You just can't like watching like this guy that's seen like his elderly mother and embracing her. And or these two guys look like brothers and they actually like hug it out. And they have like the man hug with the hands in between. Cause they had to give each other dap first to make it manly or a dad coming home or, you know what I mean? Like it was seriously for like an hour and a half watching like one beautiful reunion after another. I was literally, I can't. <laughs> I really love airports for for that reason. And like, I, I don't know. I think I think it's exciting. And I love to see like people on their journeys and kind of coming up with, with what must be happening to them in my mind. Exactly. And I couldn't like, I was getting overly emotional for people. And it was so like, <laughs> to me, that was my problem. Tears. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these Negroes need to hurry up and get here because I can't handle it anymore it was so beautiful like there was this one where this i mean this guy must have been in his 50s and he's saying like he seriously saw his elderly mother and like picked up her beautiful little frail body and just like held her little beautiful old face in his hands and like he kissed her and he like literally all but swept her off and like got her bags and she was just like just so happy to like see them and it was all it was all too much literally had uh it was all this, uh, then there was like one couple where they're trying to be like cute and like, you know, a little bit younger. And the guy comes up to the woman's like, hi, stranger. Like, you don't know if it's been two weeks or two years. You just don't know. But your brain plays out the story for you. And it's always super dramatic. And it literally could have been like, yeah, he had to go for a business meeting or, you know, she had work somewhere, was gone for the weekend. But lo and behold, everything is like so much bigger at that and it's an international airport so you're seeing people from all over the world uh seriously i was emotionally drained before my day even started i'm such a wreck (laughs) (laughs) turning into such an old old sap but that's okay it was really it was a beautiful time and like i said and of course at the end of it then it was my people that i got to have an amazing reunion with and then someone else could completely fabricate why i was there to see them so That was my happy place. People go to the airport. If you're feeling down about the world, go to the arrivals and just hang out, eat a sandwich, an overpriced airport sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) That's very Just like hang out. (laughs) Yeah, actually don't be like completely. Doesn't that sound like a one act show of just like someone who goes 
and just watches the arrivals when they get depressed. Yeah. Um, we have a, I don't know if you know her, you probably do. Someone we went to high school with, she works at an airport. She's a bartender at an airport. At, um, hmm. But I love her, her Instagram stories, like sometimes of just like airport life. <laughs> it's like, oh. it makes me, it makes me feel nostalgic for an airport, for times in an airport. <laughs> I don't know. I also just like find it very exciting because I love to travel. And, and so just the mm. feeling of being in an airport makes me think about traveling and going places and doing new things. So I don't know. I love it. I love it. I love your happy place. <laughs> thanks <laughs> it was and especially like that one i mean you know what it's like because you've been way overseas and massive airports it's a whole like if you live in new mexico and you have the Sunport, which is someone's driveway and then you go to like international massive overseas airports it's a completely different vibe but you know you see these pockets of like you said that that excitement and that adventure and such a vast grouping of people oh it's so cool but all right. What's your happy place? I was struggling with like figuring out exactly which which facet of this to focus on. So I think I'll just go as specific as possible. Mm. My happy place is I am currently reading a book about cannibalism <laughs> and I really like it. Yes. So it's called Cannibalism is the name of the book. <laughs> But it's partially for the shock, the shock value, I think, because it's it's focusing specifically on species of animals that have mm. had cannibalism happen within the species and just like different studies. It's not necessarily about human cannibalism, but I, I find it very fascinating and very interesting. It's like a, a really a fun, a fun book to read, which makes me sound like a total weirdo. But no, no, not at all. I'm into it. I, I went to the library last weekend and got a stack of books and have finished half of them. But cannibalism is one of one of those books. You're just savoring that one for <laughs> all puns included. Just like reading like one one chapter, half to a full chapter a day. Just <laughs> you know. Just a little tasty taste. Just a just little tasty you taste of cannibalism. <laughs> but that's what really, if you're in, like, was that when I was reading, like, one of my books about, like, Jack the Ripper? I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying this book. It's so good. I'm like, I mean, yeah, the, the topic is a bit grim. But it's so good. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I understand. Ooh, different. Spe- so, okay. Is it, like just so the species would survive or just examples of species that have had cannibalism? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm or- not terribly far into it yet, but it's, you know, it's talked about species where it's like more common mm. and why and kind of like talking to researchers and, and figuring it out. But also there's was this one really interesting invertebrate they were looking at and like there were physical differences between half of them would be cannibals and half of them would not mm. be. And there were physical differences between the two. The cannibals were were bigger and had like more developed sort of teeth. They don't have teeth, mm. but you know, like the the poor part of their body where they're ingesting and, and mashing things up. So it was like more developed and then like the intestines, the the tract was like a different length, I guess. Ooh. 
however they digest was a different length than their non-cannibal brethren. So I thought it was really interesting. interesting. And, and like I also nature versus nurture for cannibalism. Yeah, and and then um I found it really interesting too. They mentioned a certain type of tiger shark that it's essentially cannibalism in the womb, which is the amount of it is pretty unusual. Like it comes down to like one or two are eventually born, but it starts with like so many of them and uh, Damn. and they just eat each other <laughs> until it's like two left. I don't want to hear about anyone saying animals are so innocent and beautiful. I'm like, whatever, man. I mean, anyone who says that about a tiger shark, give me a break. <laughs> They just want to be left alone. Yeah. Done. So it's it's been a an interesting read. I don't know. I like I always find it fun to read about things I know very little about, which is like the mm. animal kingdom. I don't know like anything about animals really. So it's <laughs> it's a fun read. It's a nice diversion from from my life of art and education. <laughs> Well, that's good. Look at you growing as a human being. So our happy places are reading something that's outside of your comfort zone, which means I need to read something about like chicken noodle soup for the soul. Uh, I don't know. I, I've read what's... I've read that book. Have I've you read, really? Like, uh, one of them. I don't know mm. which one it was because there's like so many, but like my mom had bought it for me. So that's why I read it. Oh, I was like, these are, daughter. Yeah, I'm like, these are like some sweet stories. Would I like seek them out and buy them again probably not but there are some like sweet things in there mm. oh, all right read something that's outside of your comfort zone and go to the arrivals of your local airport but yeah. try not to look sketchy and don't leave your bags unattended oh no don't don't do that <laughs> don't do that just don't bring a bag is probably the best yeah the yeah best thing. exactly probably yeah your best bet just take it from me yeah. <laughs> so those are happy places. Awesome. Well, if you want us to talk or I guess answer one of your questions, or if you have any comments about that, you can get a hold of us. You could email us at biracialunicorns at gmail.com. And you should follow us on like all the social media. We are at Biracial Unicorns uh, on our Instagram and on our Facebook and we're at Biracial Magic on our Twitter we're pretty quiet on Twitter I should probably fix that I'll, I should over, I should overachieve a little bit more on Twitter yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so reach out to us if you have a comment or a feedback about this episode or any other episode, really. It's never too late. Or if you have a question you'd like us to talk about, or if you have a topic idea for us, please let us know. Before we go, we should also say thank you to our buddies, Dolly Pop Art. Uh, you mm. can find her over at Instagram at Dolly Pop Art. She just recently launched a Patreon page, so that's really Whoa. exciting. Um, Support she's, her. Yeah, she's the one who uh, drew the beautiful picture of me and D'Amika that we use for our logo. So if you like that style of art, you should check her out. 
think about becoming a patron. Uh, you should also check out Joseph Scott, who is with the band Citizens of Tape City for our theme music. And you can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. Uh, check out their music. All right. So that's that's all the things. Mm, it's all of them. So I guess we should like, yeah, do the thing. We'll be back next week with a mini-sode, and we'll be back in two weeks with another full-length episode. So Mm -hmm. we'll see you then. Peace. Out. Out.